Hello, and welcome to the Bite Size Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Shiroki, and today we are going to continue our look at the book of Exodus. We are going to continue our look at the law of Moses. Um, right now, we are in the uh, pretty much the end, the tail end of Exodus. And um, what is going on, and um, the Lord just explained how the artesians were going to be chosen and used um, for the building of the tabernacle. And then the Lord also spoke to Moses about the importance of the Sabbath law and explained that basically anyone that doesn't observe the Sabbath is to be put to death. These are literal um, meanings. (laughs) There's no... um, no mincing of words there. Um, God says, basically, if you disobey my commandments because they're his chosen people and he's told them and given them, <clears throat> excuse me, commandments and instructions as to how he wants them to live life for their own good. Again, taking a rest and having observing the Sabbath is a very good, wise thing to do and a very essential thing to do. So, again, um, You know, God instructs uh, Moses and the Israelites to kill those that don't observe the Sabbath. Sounds a little harsh to us in these modern times, but if you have a true reverence and understanding for who God is and a true appreciation for just exactly how holy and divine he is, you know, there's, excuse me again, there's a certain passage in um, in the Bible where it talks about who is the created being to turn to the creator and say, why did you create me? And that reminds me a lot of the attitude of the world today. Basically, um, a lot of the creation basically rejects God, the creator, or asks and questions, how could God do X, Y, or Z? Or how could a loving God allow X, Y, or Z? It's the epitome of self-righteousness. It's the epitome of pride and arrogance at its finest. It's the exact satanic attitude of the, um, well, of the evil one, of Satan himself. It's exactly what got Satan kicked out of heaven. And it's exactly what's going to send many people to hell along with Satan eventually for rejecting Christ, God, his ways. And, um, you know, there's, who are we to even look and question our creator? It's absolutely ridiculous. It's silly. And, um, but a lot of people do it. They abuse the grace of God because God doesn't strike them dead right then and there. They we're at a point in the world today where many people again question the existence of God. They reject God outright, and they again the foolishness of man is abusing the grace and and the um, the patience, if you will, that God shows towards us. Thank God for His grace. Thank God for His patience. Thank God for his um, contentment to not punish the world and sin immediately because he has a divine plan 
And ultimately, God is the ultimate source of love. He doesn't want anyone to suffer the eternal separation that comes along with rejecting him. And then once you reject him and die in your sin, that eternal separation is unfathomable right now. Just like on the flip side, on the positive side, the amazing heaven and New Jerusalem and king the, the kingdom of God that awaits us that simply acknowledge that we're sinners, believe that Jesus Christ is who he said he was, and request and ask the Lord to be our Lord and Savior, that amazing heaven that we get to look forward to is incomprehensible. But on the other side, people have no idea. Hell is far from going to be a party. It's not going to be somewhere you'll want to be. And it's going to be forever. So, the reason why I can see that we're um, going off a bit on on this uh, particular topic is because we're going to look in Exodus 32. This is the infamous story, if you will. Seems like for some reason a lot of people know about this, um, saved and unsaved. But this is the story and the account, I should say, of the golden calf and before I even keep going and um, you know I could embellish and discuss it uh, very plentifully but I will actually just stop there and I'll just say we are going to get into Exodus 32 as we continue our look at the Mosaic law and um, again this is where the Israelites they become (laughs) it's very similar to today's world when i think about it i guess that's why the lord has me and leading me in this direction to speak about these things but um it's incredible how people abuse and and get tired of waiting on god and then they just want to fall back either into old sin or just say well look there is no god i can do x y and z and there's no consequence Trust me, there are consequences for every one of our actions if you're not covered in the blood of Jesus. So it's very vital and important that we are washed in that amazing blood that Jesus Christ shed on that um, amazing cross. Excuse me, sorry. I'm still recording from one of my friend's um, homes and uh, there's a few deer that are outside right now. And it's just such an amazingly beautiful thing to see um, animals in nature completely undisturbed, but sorry, shiny object moment there, excuse me, but it is important to understand that um, this this particular account, again, really shows the the Israelites became, um, again, they just felt like, well, Moses isn't coming back, they wanted something to worship, like the other um, abominable, or excuse me, it's <laughs> not not abominable. We're not talking about snowmen here, but the other, um, just uh, I, I, the the words escape me right now. But I guess you could say the um, the pagan religions that surrounded them that had idols, you know, things carved of wood, things made of metal that they worshipped, and of course the Israelites fell into that. Very similar to today's church, too, when I think about it. I mean, right now, 
we have a lot of people walking away from Christ. We have people in public, um, you know, committing all types of sin almost out in the open. We have a lot of um, abominations to God himself out there pretending to, they call themselves, um, they're living in open, disgusting sin and then calling themselves um, pastors and some kind of ministers. But, you know, all of this will be judged soon enough. And as we're going to see here, this is where, this is the God of creation. He created us. He gave his son for us. And it's, it's on us whether or not we accept him or reject him. So let's take a look at the Israelites here and the golden calf in Exodus 32 and see exactly how God deals with those who choose to reject him, create idols, and worship those idols. So without any further ado, let's take a look at Exodus 32. Okay, and like I said, we are going to look today at Exodus 32. So, my Spirit-Filled Life New King James Version Bible subtitles this the this chapter, because it's going to go from, basically the whole chapter goes through this whole encounter of the Israelites with the golden calf, and it is subtitled, The Gold Calf. So, picking up at verse 1 of Exodus 32. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the gold earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool, and made a molded calf. Then they said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Then they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink, and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Go, get down, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them. And I will make of you a great nation. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people from whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? When should the Egyptians speak and say, or excuse me, why should the Egyptians speak and say, he brought them out to harm them, 
to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of I give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. All right, let's take a look at the notes here because there's a lot going on there. That's, again, Exodus 32, verses 1 through 14, and then we'll pick up and uh, finish up with uh, verses 15 through 35. But looking at the notes here in my Spirit-Filled Life, New King James Version Bible, it says, Some believe that in fashioning of the molded calf, no attempt was made to abandon worshiping the one true God. Rather, the molded calf was to serve as a sign of his presence. The belief has been proposed that the choice of the calf was due to the people's familiarity with bull worship in Egypt. This is highly unlikely, however. The calf clearly represents the Hebrews' impatience and intent to worship Yahweh on their terms rather than on his. It was also an affront to Moses' leadership. Moses accepted God's verdict on the wayward Hebrews, but pleaded that God would not deal with them in a way that would taint his honor or break his promises to them. Moses' request was granted by God. Relented means moved to pity. It shows the tension that exists between God's judgment and mercy. His decision was not totally reversed, merely tempered. So, a lot going on there, and it's very interesting when you see how basically Moses kind of talked God out of, um, you know, executing judgment on his people right there, and reasoned very um, well, and, um, and, you know, when he says, for example, you know, why let the Egyptians say that God brought his own people out to harm them and, you know, basically kill them? Um, you know, it, it, it's a it's a reasonable, rational argument, and it makes sense. Um, but it does also show that God, you know, you, you don't want to experience the wrath of God. You don't want to push him. And his mercy and his wrath are two very far extremes but believe me when i say he's very capable of both as you know the people were that were alive in noah's day during the great flood saw and also the cities of sodom and gomorrah they saw his wrath and anger as well his judgment and those two events are nothing compared to what's going to come soon enough for this world's rebellion sin and utter blatant rejection of God himself. So let's actually take a quick look at the notes for a portion of that scripture. Um, I'm going to look at the truth and action section at the end of Exodus. Again, this is just, um, these are sections that they put at the end of each um, chapter or book, excuse me, in my spiritual look, New King James Version Bible, that give you the truth. And then basically, again, just the, you know, what's being said in, in the uh, book or passages and then how to put those things into action in our own lives. So keys to wise living. 
God calls his people to wisdom. Wisdom is knowing how to apply truth. Exodus gives principles that teach us how to live wisely and please God. It also teaches us certain wise practices. The Holy Spirit will train us to practice wisdom as a discipline that will lead to the fullness of life. And then the action. Do not trust yourself to obey God's word. Depend upon his Holy Spirit. Meditate on the Ten Commandments regularly to learn God's moral nature and character. Learn reverence for the Lord. It will keep you from sinning. Suspect majority opinion that proposes deviance. Evil is often popular, but disobeys God. Give every time you gather with God's people for worship. It shows faith that he provides for you. Do not become impatient with God. It leads to sin. Recognize that any skill or ability you have is God's gift. Be grateful for his gifts, avoiding pride. So that makes a whole lot of sense and is very true. And as you can see, I mean, again, you know, when we, the popular opinion is usually the wrong opinion. Usually it's going to go against God and his word and anybody that calls themselves a Christian, yet you wouldn't be able to tell them from another person in the world. There's a good reason why they're probably living a very compromised life to say the least. And frankly, they're, if they were ever saved, then they're definitely backslidden, which is a state in which you once received the Lord and believed, but since then you've walked away from him and turned back to your old ways. And um, be very cautious of these things and don't partake in them. Just because something's popular in the world does not mean it's to be accepted by us. More than likely, it's to be rejected by us that is us being the church and Christians. So um, it's interesting here, this note again for 32 verses one through six, where, you know, I've always thought, frankly, um, that the golden calf was just an idol. Like I said in the opening, basically, um, that the golden calf was an idol that the Israelites made to be a substitute for God. But ultimately, it looks like um, it was basically, you know, they chose the calf because, again, it was something familiar to them from Egypt, which makes sense. But also, it was just more of a symbol of um, it. It's it was a it was a sign of God's presence, which, you know, that's our nature. Again, our flesh wants something we can see, touch, feel, hear. You know, and that's what idolatry, that's exactly what idolatry is and why it draws the people in is because, you know, everything God does is spiritual. We can't physically see him. We can't, um, you know, physically hear him or physically touch him. But believe me, the, the reality of God is so much more real than everything we see around us with our flesh and in the world. Um the, and that's the miraculous thing about walking with the Lord as we go through life is seeing his faithfulness, seeing him constantly prove himself. You know, faith, it, it's incredible how, um, you know, like 
people can question us and say, well, why do you have faith in God? You know, what is there to be, what, 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 why do you have faith in something that just seems so hard to believe? Well, I'll put it this way, you know, as a simple example, you know, if you have a friend, for example, that you make plans with to go and, I don't know, go on a hike or something or go meet up and do something, right? Now, you're going to go and meet that person somewhere based on the faith you have that they said they were going to be there and the past experience of knowing that you're, you have a friendship with the person and they're faithful to their word. Again, these are real friends and people that, <clears throat> you know, again, are um, faithful and fulfill and they're, you know, good people. Um, so I'm trying to make this example because I was thinking about it today earlier, actually. And um, as I, as I am here at, at my friend's house, house sitting, um, just, you know, I, I have a lot going on internally with, um, just thinking about different things here and there. And again, one of the things that I was thinking of was the faith aspect of why we believe what we believe. And it really is as simple as the fact that God has proven himself to me personally, and his word has been fulfilled so many times in visible history, you know, I mean, just look at Jesus himself. I mean, he fulfilled all the prophecies that were written about him hundreds and thousands of years prior to his showing up here on the earth. I mean, that in itself is miraculous and deserves our faith in God. So, you know, if we can have faith in people to be, um, you know, stick to their word and be consistent, then we really need to look at God and understand that we can have a complete utter trust and faith in him to provide what we need when we need it. And again, one of the very wise notes that it said in the truth and action section here at the end of um, Exodus was, let's see here. Um, bah, 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 bah. Don't become impatient with God. It leads to sin. I can tell you how, I can't tell you how many times that I fell into sin because I was impatient and and not willing to wait on God to provide a for a certain need, um, you know, that I thought I needed. But frankly, in hindsight, and as I go through this refining process, I see that I wasn't ready for what I was requesting or asking God for at that time in my life. I had a lot of growing to do, and I have still a lot of growing to do. We're always going to be growing spiritually, thankfully. I mean, that's an amazing thing that we are. <laughs> you know, there's no end to this amazing quest and journey that we're on with the Lord. But, you know, um, again, years ago, asking and requesting things that, you know, God would have eventually provided in his time and in his way. But when I went and stepped out of the will of God, I caused so many problems for myself. I caused, to this day, I live with the consequences of some of the horrible things I chose to do, some of the horrible actions I, I, I did and performed. And, um, you know, it, 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 there's, God gives me understanding for those things and those times. And I thank God for his grace that I'm finally 
at a point in life where I can just truly be content and say, you know, Lord, not my will, your will be done and just truly wait on him. But it took a lot of pain. It took a lot of um, growing. It took a lot of, well, growing pains, we can call them. Um, You know, it really did, though. It, It really took a toll on me. You know, I went through years of depression. I went through years of just questioning a lot about life, myself, the Lord, you know, but if I would have just stayed on that straight and narrow path, if I would have just been patient and allowed God to let my life unfold as he wanted it to and in those times, then who knows where I'd be now. But by the grace of God, he did come out. He retrieved me from the pastor, from the from the wilderness that I, who knows, I mean, gosh, I was out there lost. And it's amazing how when you're one of the God's children, he will constantly be calling you back. And people that have been backslidden or are backslidden, you know exactly what I mean. When you see that track, when you see the name of God, when you see the name of Jesus, when you hear the name There's just something that touches you deep in your soul where you just know you're not where you belong in life and you belong somewhere. You belong home with the Lord. And that's, I guess, the picture again where the Bible says Jesus is seated at the right hand of God and we are seated at at the right hand of God with Jesus right now spiritually somehow. I mean, it makes a lot of sense, um, but... There's no greater place that I'd rather be and that I ever want to be again than with, you know, having the peace, joy, patience to just serve the Lord and let my life unfold as God will have it unfold. I I really have a lot of peace with that, you know, (laughs) with the experiences I've been through, you know, certain things I, I think I want and certain things I pray for. I'm very happy and content to wait for God to provide them because, frankly, I have, um, you know, just a very blessed life at this point, and I'm very content with where I am. So, all right, let's um, continue our look here at Exodus 32. We'll finish up this last half. Again, we're picking up at chapter uh, verse 15. This is just after um, Moses is basically, you know, God was ready to, wipe out the Israelites and smite them because of his jealousy. Again, first commandment, I'm a jealous God, have no other gods before me. Second commandment, make no graven images, have no idols, have nothing before him. The Israelites broke the first two commandments. I mean, we're, we're 10 chapters, we're 10, 10 chapters away from where God gives the 10 commandments, where the Israelites, you know, um, made their sacrifices and and made their covenant with God and they're already straying away. But such is life, such is human nature, such is us when we're straying away from the Lord. And it doesn't take much. Look at how little. I mean, look at Aaron sitting there one minute. He's ready to be consecrated and, and be ready to be the high priest. And next minute, he's making a golden calf, you know. I guess the explanation, too, that it would make more sense that the Israelites weren't just totally looking to worship another God per se when they made the golden calf, but they were actually looking to just for a visual representation of God and of all the things that they were being shown and of this very entity, if you will, 
that was giving such amazing divine revelation to them, they wanted, again, they wanted to basically appease the flesh and appeal to the flesh. And um, unfortunately, it's just part of our fallen nature to want to do that, you know. Look, I have my struggles every day, you know, it, it's hard <laughs> living on this earth and being in the flesh and then also having the dual amazing aspect of being one of God's children at the same time. But I'll tell you, it's it's really about growth. It's about maturing just as a person and also spiritually that dual type of relationship that happens is pretty incredible. But um you know, don't don't ever be discouraged. You know, we we <laughs> we 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 fall and we get up. We fall and we get up. You know, that's just a cycle of life and what we're gonna keep experiencing as we go through life. Now, again, I'm not talking about being in bondage and chains of sin. You should really uh, pray and seek help to get free of things that are very detrimental to your your walk with the Lord. But at the same time. You know, we're always going to have our struggles with just fleshly things, you know, with, um, you know, Paul goes through in Galatians. He really just lays out so much in there. Read that book. I mean, he really just, you know, the church, that, that church in Galatia, they really had a special place in Paul's heart. And he could really, really give them some amazing revelation because, you know, um, they were struggling with things and, um, you know. Paul just really exhorts them and um, comforts them and gives them some amazing revelation of, um, again, the Holy Spirit through Paul just um, gives them amazing revelation of God and his ways. So it's it's a great book to read and um, very encouraging also to to see. And again, the amazing part about the, the New Testament is how relatable and how applicable it is to to this very day to everything we face it's you know again nothing new under the sun satan's been trying the same garbage with people for millennia you know it's all about just get up dust yourself off and walk but fight 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 i'm telling you put on that armor of god we we are not uh, you know, when Jesus Christ gives us his Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit enabled Christ to live an absolutely perfect life. Now, will we ever live a perfect life? No, we're already tainted, if you will. We're, we're tainted goods, you know, we're, we're damaged goods. But at the same time, we're not called to continually be falling into the same pitfalls over and over. Think about how foolish that is. I mean, it's just like a loop. You don't want to be on an endless loop of just you know, walking and falling into the same hole. And then what you walk, you know, you, you hit reset and then what you walk and you fall in the same hole. Like, come on, there's definitely a growth there and an ability that God gives us to overcome things. But it's only the amazing part to all of that is, is acknowledging that we can do nothing. We can do nothing except accept Jesus and his amazing grace and his request every day as much as possible to be filled with that Holy Spirit. We need constant filling and refreshment. That's one reason why I believe Jesus was constantly praying because he there, there is an amazing um, interaction between our spirit and the spirit of God himself when we pray and supplicate and make requests to him. Again, he loves that. He wants to answer our prayers. So definitely 
get into prayer as much as possible. All right. So picking up at Exodus 32, 15, and Moses turned and went down from the mountain and the two tablets of the testimony were in his hand. Remember, remember too, and looking quickly at Exodus 30 chapter, uh, actually Exodus 31 verse 18, 18. And when he had made an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. Amazing stuff there when you think about, again, and Moses now, he's coming down the mountain because God told him, get down there because the people are flipping out basically. And he's going down there with two tablets with the Ten Commandments written by the finger of God himself. Absolutely amazing stuff. Um, I really didn't elaborate on that a lot last episode, which I should have. I mean, I you know, it, it it's been pretty um, spoken on uh, plenty, but the fact that God's God uses his own hand and finger to write those uh, commandments on those tablets is really incredible. And we're going to see what happens with those tablets as we continue our look through um, the Mosaic law here. But all right, let's continue here. The tablets were written on both sides, on the one side and on the other, they were written. Now the tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, There is a noise of war in the camp. But he said, It is not the noise of the shout of victory, nor the noise of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing I hear. So it was, as soon as he came near the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing. So Moses' anger became hot, and he cast the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. Then he took the calf which they had made, burned it in the fire, and ground it to powder, and he scattered it on the water and made the children of Israel drink it. And Moses said to Aaron, What did, these, what did this people do to you that you have brought so great a sin upon them? So Aaron said, do not let the anger of my Lord become hot. You know the people that they are set on evil. For they said to me, Make us gods that shall go before us. As for the Moses, excuse me, as for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And I said to them, Whoever has any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me and cast it into the fire, and this calf came out. Now, <laughs> Take note how Aaron actually kind of lies to Moses there. He says that they 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 put um the uh that they that that he just put the um gold in the fire and the calf came out. But if you flip back just to Exodus thirty two verse five, it says, or excuse me, verse four, it says. And Aaron received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. So Aaron, he's he's sort of being, um, I will say deceitful, to put it very nicely, in his um, recollection of how this golden calf even came about. Interesting little side note there and something to observe. Um, you know, uh, it's just funny how people so quickly forget 
and so quickly just are sinful. It, it's, it's, it's our nature is so, it, it's just nasty. It just makes me sick. And it's amazing too, how Moses, you know, when he's up on the mountain and God's describing what's happening below, God, uh, Moses is the one who asked the Lord, look, don't become hot. Temper your, um, you know, temper your flame of anger, if you will. Don't wipe them out, essentially. But then when Moses comes down and sees it for himself, he takes the tablets that God gave him and wrote on and breaks them in half and then starts going off. And then again, Aaron, you know, it's funny how he says that again. Um, Aaron says, um, for they said to me, make us gods that shall go before us as for Moses. And I said, um, you know, he breaks it off. So they gave it to me and I cast it into the fire and this calf came out totally, you know, pushing the blame onto something else kind of reminds me of the garden of Eden when Adam is confronted by God and he asks him if he ate of the tree. And then what does Adam do? Instead of just manning up and saying, yes, I did. I'm sorry, Lord. What does he do? He says, oh, well, it was the woman you gave me that gave me the fruit. He pushes off the blame. It's, you know, the epitome of bad leadership is exactly that. Not taking, not owning your mistakes and accepting and repenting of them, but, you know, sitting there and pushing it off and blaming someone else. Um, we see it very commonly today in our governmental leadership, but um, I'll just leave that there, just putting it out there. But, um, you know, uh, to, to a bigger point, though, it's incredible when you see the human nature again. It's so funny how these days people think we're so advanced, you know, we're so intelligent, we're so um, evolved, if you will. What a bunch of garbage evolution is. There's no scientific proof or base for it whatsoever. But anyway, um, I digress, although I am going to do some nice in-depth episodes at some point on the, the false theory of evolution and the false theory of the Big Bang. They're both theoretical to this very day. They have no basis in science, and it's just two bases of the religion of science. But anyway, I digress. Again, interesting to see here how Aaron completely just says, you know, I put the gold into the fire, and all of a sudden a, a calf popped out. Not so fast there. Contraire, mon frere. That's, a, that's not what happened. He actually mel melted it and fashioned it, and engraved it, and created that calf. So what's up with Aaron here? I don't know. But again, the grace of God is amazing, um, and we'll see what becomes of Aaron and, you know, the whole priesthood and everything like that. But let's continue here, um, picking up Exodus 32, verse 25. Now when Moses saw that the people were under, were unrestrained, for Aaron had not restrained them to their shame among their enemies. Then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let every man put his sword on his side and go in and out from the entrance to entrance throughout the camp and let every man kill his brother every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. 
So the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. Then Moses said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, that he may bestow on you a blessing this day. For every man has opposed his son and his brother. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin. So now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a God of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book, which you have written. And the Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot them out of my book. Now, therefore, go, lead the people to the place of which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit for punishment, I will visit punishment upon them for their sin. So the Lord plagued the people because of what they did with the calf which Aaron made. All right. Let's look at the note here for that section because, wow, talk about some intense um, dealing with sin right then and there. And, um, you know, hey, let's see what this was all about. The shattered tablets symbolized their shattered relationship with Yahweh. Drinking the gold dust was to serve as a sign to the people that the golden image was totally destroyed. Those who sin must be punished. If God had not punished idolatrous Israel, he would not have been true to his nature and would have seemed to condone this sin. Aaron's lack of leadership resulted in the people's being out of control and vulnerable to evil. Those who had remained loyal to Yahweh's way brought control back by killing 3,000 of those caught in the very act of calf worship. The group was led by loyal sons of Levi. Yahweh's response that only he can blot out their sin and that only at their request shows the importance of individual personal repentance. The undefined punishment was temporarily stayed, coming sometime later in the form of a plague. So it's interesting there, but one thing I want to look at quickly is verse 32, where Moses says, Oh, these people have committed a great sin and have made, or excuse me, yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book, which you have written. That reminds me of a very similar plea made way down the line in the future by our favorite author, Paul, in the book of Romans, when he says to the Lord, and he's talking about, again, his own people that he loves, the same love Moses had for his people, Paul had for the Jews. And here, in Romans chapter 9, verse 3, he, Paul says, For I wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises, of whom are the fathers, and from whom 
according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, the eternally blessed God. Amen. So, again, um, it's interesting to see how Moses makes that plea to God to blot his name out of the book of life, which I've done episodes in the past looking at the books of the Bible and one of the books in the Bible, or in heaven, I should say, the books in heaven um, that are mentioned in the Bible is definitely the book of life. And that's where God has recorded the name of every person that is in his family. How it all works, I don't know. But it's an interesting um, observation <clears throat> excuse me, to make that names can be blotted out of that book so you know i know several people that at one time professed to know christ but at this time completely reject christ his teaching his gospel and the church and um the word of god have their names been blotted out of the book of life well I can't answer that question, but what I can say is there's evidence in the Bible of people once being in the book of life and then God removing their names from that very book. Are, uh, there, there, I've heard different sermons and different expositories on exactly, you know, um, when is someone's name added to the book. I've actually commented before where it appears that maybe everyone's name could be in the book and then um as people live life and commit sin and don't repent of that sin then their names are blotted out it's a possibility um the bible never truly addresses that very point and i think there's good point for why the bible um <clears throat> excuse me leaves some things open-ended like that because um frankly it's really not our worry you know, it's not our worry to be looking at others. And like it says there at the end, each and every Israelite had to make a decision when Moses proposed that he he um, basically drew a line in the sand and said, if you're with the Lord, come over here. And people made their own choice at that time. Um, and those who chose not to be on the side of the Lord were slain, 3,000. It's a very interesting encounter. It's a very interesting, um, you know, section of Exodus. And it really shows us the seriousness of how offensive sin is to God, especially idolatry and um, worship of anything other than him. We are called to simply love the lord with all of our heart mind and soul it's a commandment we have to get in one thing that'll keep us from our gross sin keep us from turning to idols and keep us walking in the straight and narrow path is realizing that the bible's not optional what god says in his word is not optional it's not food for thought God is instructing us and commanding us on how to live.
It's by his good grace and mercy and his amazing indwelling Holy Spirit that is the fire in my soul that keeps me going. And frankly, I almost picture it like this. So there is, um, when you are in constant fellowship, when you're in the word, when you're in constant prayer, it's almost like in the summer and in, in very bad environments, we have um, certain torches that can be lit that will keep the bugs away, that will keep the, the mosquitoes away, for example. Um, we, we have tiki torches in this area, for example. Um, but point is, I believe that I picture that Holy Spirit keeps the enemy away, keeps Satan away. When we keep that fire burning, when we keep that amazing anointing oil that God places in us and places on us, when we become his children, but it's up to us to keep those flames fanned, to stay in his word, to stay obedient to him, to listen to that still small voice when he speaks to us and to obey to walk in his ways. This is not an option. If you are committing sin right now, if you're going through, there's a list that Paul outlines. There's a list that Jesus himself outlines. In Jesus discusses it in Revelation. Paul discusses this list in the book of Romans. And he's very specific when he says who will and will not inherit the kingdom of God. And there, there is absolutely no excuse. If you are caught up in these sins, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. There, take note, there was no special pass given for anyone in that camp that chose to be idolaters to that chose to worship something or anything other than God. They were put to death. They were slain. And that is exactly what happens to people when they reject the word of God. I'm looking right now to try to find that list because there is an amazing um, it, it, reality to hearing exactly what the Lord says, and there's really no excuse. I mean, God literally lays out word for word what his expectations are throughout his entire word. And um, again, it is up to us to simply, you know, I, I, I talk a lot about, you know, the goodness of God and his grace, and that's all true and that's all real but we must accept that we must live it out again i say all the time how salvation is just the beginning of what god has for us and that from that moment on we are to be walking a new life in a new light we are we are to allow the holy spirit to light our path and we are to take, we are to walk in faith again. 
faith is having um, believing in the unseen, essentially believing that God's promises, what he says he's going to do is what he's going to do. And part of that faith is getting into his living word and really comprehending who God is. He gives us, he, he reveals his character from Genesis through Revelation. How bad do you want to know the Lord? I almost didn't record this episode tonight because I really wanted to, I, I really feel the Lord calling me to read certain books, which I, tonight I'm going to start. I, I know when God's speaking to me and I know when he's telling me to do something. And the amazing part is he's doing that just so he can reveal more of himself to me. But I did want to keep this at a, at a daily pace. And um, I did want to look at, you know, the, this particular um uh, chapter in Exodus 32 because I did want to see exactly what the whole encounter of the gold calf was. Again, a lot of interesting things there in Exodus 32 from Moses breaking the tablets, which is a representation of the relationship being broken between God and the Israelites because they backslid. Again, that's what happens when we sin. Our relationship, our communion is broken. And then you see how Aaron basically diverts the blame and says, hey, this calf magically came out of the fire when I threw all the gold in there. No, it didn't. You willingly made that thing. You made that image. And, you know, that's what happened. Um, you know, and it's just, again, it's funny to see how <laughs> human nature, quote unquote, really doesn't change, although everything around us can change. The human heart is always the same, sinful, evil, deceitful. There are no good in the earth. No one, not one. So don't ever deceive yourself. Don't ever believe the false gospel of you can be a good person and go to heaven. That's the biggest, that, that lie right there is right up with the, Satan's best lie along with convincing the world he never existed in the first place. That's where a lot of the world is right now. It's it's ironic. There's a you know I used to listen to a podcast where a guy he was a member of the Church of Satan, and um, it's funny how he would try to describe half of the Church of Satan. Basically, they um they they look at it as um it's just a big joke essentially. Like the idea of Satan is an actual joke to them. So they'll sit and you know say all these things, you know, as far as, you know, just very dark things that are very satanic because they don't believe he exists anyway. But there's another whole side of that satanic movement that does think he exists and actually literally willingly serve him. So, you know, there the, the world is at a very dark place right now and we need to be the light of the world. We need to be the salt of the earth. And the only way to do that is to get into the word, because let me tell you, you are going to encounter people every day that want to argue and debate a million things under the sun about God, if you're witnessing and talking about the Lord, and they know you're a Christian. But there's a couple things. One, they can never argue your own personal witness and testimony. And two, one thing I notice is right when you bring truth to a conversation, meaning People, you know, debating or asking questions, and then you can bring truth. 
they can accuse us of, oh, well, maybe some, you know, I had somebody a little while ago say, oh, well, too bad we're all not perfect like you or something like that. Um, but I just brought scripture right to them. I said, I'm not perfect. I'm saved by grace. And I just quoted a big section of Galatians, basically. And that pretty much put a stop to the argument right there because there's something very powerful about the sword of the spirit. Again, part of the armor of God, which is the word of God, which is the absolute truth in the spiritual realm. There, the reason why people attack us is because they're under satanic influence and they hate Christ and they hate Christians. But when you go back at them with truth and you really get them to a point of where they can't rebut anything you're saying because they're not your words, they're not your thoughts, it's the truth of God. And the, again, the only way to do that and know that is to get into the word daily on your own have that intimate time with him and grow and learn in the spirit. So on that note, we're going to wrap up. That's going to conclude our Exodus, our look, excuse me, at Exodus 32. And um, until next time, have a great day and God bless.